0: Hello, and welcome to the 70s Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, a show where two friends review a randomly chosen American Top 40 episode from the 1970s, the most interesting decade in pop music. My name is Mark Roback, and with me is my friend and co-host, Peter Gardo. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Hi there, Mark. Good to talk
1: to you. Uh, <clears throat> before we started recording, we uh, we had a nice conversation with Pick. all right? <laughs> that's right we're going to finally put through that engineering change so that's <laughs> good and then uh and then our our buddy uh Mike T his uh, uh colleague I met Jack today all right and Jack knew that we had a podcast yeah you know kind of fun
0: <laughs> yeah so Mike T's been uh doing a lot of road traveling and then has to take a ferry so he's got a lot of time and so he's been faithfully listening to the podcast and then getting some good feedback from him. So as you can probably tell, Pete and I uh, have been friends for a very long time, 30 years plus. plus. Uh, we, we met in college and then ended up working together for a long time. Yeah, so in each of these episodes, we'll review all 40 songs in the Chosen Weeks countdown and provide some factual information on each song as well as our personal opinions, stories, and comments related to it. At the end of the episode, we'll provide our individual choices for best and worst song, a song that we think will torture the other guy that we've labeled the agonizer, and we'll give our individual A-plus through F grade for the entire countdown. Since nobody has the exact same taste in music, our opinions on individual songs may be controversial, but we otherwise intend to keep the conversation light, humorous, and hopefully entertaining. Remember, this is just a discussion, not a competition. So please, no wage. All right, Mark.
1: Today is the Seventies Weekly Countdown with Mark and Pete, episode number eleven. American Top Forty from the week <clears throat> ending July twenty eighth, nineteen seventy three. The title is "Get Down Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy." <laughs> What's interesting is we've 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 cycled through the decade. This is episode eleven. Episode one was from 10 weeks ago, May 19th, 1973. And there are still five songs that were on that countdown from 10 weeks ago. So hopefully we can uh, gloss over those. Uh, however, there are two and a half uh, bands that were on the, the countdown with uh, with different songs and they have new songs this time. And now the half a band is, is Wings, all right? I don't know if it's Paul McCartney and Wings or The Broken Wing or I don't know. I'm getting tired of Paul McCartney. But uh, but anyhow, that's uh, so we've 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 come around the bend.
0: Yeah. 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 Circling around. And and yeah, that was a little bit of a concern. Like, are we going to be too repetitive? But uh, I, I think five songs isn't too bad, really. Um, right. for repeat. And I
1: have a mark. So I'll let you know if you don't have a mark.
0: OK. All right. Very good. Um, so, uh, what were you doing around this time, July, August, nineteen
1: uh, seventy-three? Well, I know exactly what I was doing. <laughs> exactly. So I pulled out. For those of you watching on Channel Eighteen, I pulled out the date, date book, my father's date book from from July nineteen seventy-three, and on the twenty-sixth, which was Thursday, summer session ends because my father was doing some uh, some teaching and leave for california Ah. all right so we went on a road trip now the problem was it's empty it doesn't have any you know i I remember the the the, it like yesterday okay going on the trip where we stopped okay but where were the details because the date book is empty so last sunday my daughter or last saturday my daughter got gasoline for uh for my mother's old car that we have now and um and she sent me the odometer reading and the picture from the gas pump because I keep the data. All right. I make sure I know what the gas mileage is and o- over time. And I learned that from my father. And I said, ah, I know exactly how to figure out where we were in 1973 because I have, if those of you looking on channel 18, I have the log book. For the gas, for, for the automobile, for the 1972 Volkswagen bus, and where my f- father bought gas, the date, the mileage, the amount, the number of gallons, the miles, and miles per gallon, and the cumulative miles per gallon. So I know exactly where I was, where we bought gas. All right. So on the 26th, which was Thursday, we left for California. And we stopped at, uh, remember I told you about Uncle Don? Yeah. Well, we stopped at uncle Don's uh, brothers in, uh, in Ohio with Jack and Phyllis. All right. We spent a night
0: there. So the
1: next day we went to, uh, Valparaiso, uh, uh, uh Indiana, where we saw my mother's friend from the third grade, Carl Staplin, who, uh, learned, uh, who was an organ teacher at Valpo. Uh, and my mother had known him since the third grade in Snyder, New York. And, uh, we, we spent time with, with, with him. And, uh, now, of course, um, Valparaiso is a uh, Lutheran university and uh, that'll come up again shortly. All right. So then we went to Gary, Indiana. All right. We went to the um, into the Indiana Dunes. All right. On Lake Michigan. And we and we when we went through Gary, Indiana, me and my sisters, that's where the Jackson 5 is from. Now, the Jackson 5 are not on this countdown. All right. So the next day the 29th so we're on the 29th already which is the day after this this countdown we were in um in iowa in in Amana in the uh, uh in the Amana colonies and we went to bill zuber's restaurant and for those of you that are yankees fans bill zuber was a pitcher for them in the 40s and we went to his restaurant and i still have something from from the restaurant there but the amana colonies was uh populated by Germans that were persecuted by the Lutherans in North Germany so they all left and they went to Iowa (laughs) so I found that (laughs) out so the next day on the 31st um we found our way up to South Dakota and so the 31st was a was a Tuesday and we stayed with uh once again friends with my folks and they were on the I believe it was a Rosebud Indian Reservation there were missions and so mission South Dakota your missionaries and the next day went to uh, laramie wyoming where my father had a college uh, uh, or a colleague uh, who taught at the university of wyoming now i also have showing those of you on watching on channel 18 postcards all right so my mother started to say where we were so here's a postcard of a sod house uh monday july 30th uh someplace in iowa early pioneer days a sod house or sodi was the most popular type of home in the treeless prairie, Tuesday, July thirty first, we were um, at Or zorks store, which is in uh, which is in Mission. All right. Also on Tuesday, July thirty first, uh, oh, that's the same place. Okay. Wednesday, August first, we were on our way through Wyoming, and there's a picture here of I think there's elk, and then on the second, my. We were uh, still in Wyoming. My mother started to write a postcard to her parents. Dear dad and mom, we haven't actually seen this spot, but much of our uh, route today uh, has followed over the uh, land trail over the Continental Divide in the Great Divide Basin, uh, some of the most deserted uh, uh, country I've ever seen. My mother never sent it to my grandparents. They died about 20 years ago, and I can't even share it with my mom and dad anymore because they're not with us. So then we went through the Salt Lake, uh, you know, into into Utah and uh, we swam in Salt Lake. But I I can remember driving across the uh, through a salt storm in the Bonneville Salt Flats where I've never seen. So it it was so stormy. It was incredible. And then lastly, I'll say on the on the fourth, we were in uh, Winnemucca, Nevada, one of the few places that we actually stayed in a in a hotel. And for those of you watching on Channel 18, here is the Ponderosa Motel. Uh, yeah. postcard all right That's some uh, ponderosa pines on the sign there oh yeah you're right you're yeah. absolutely right yeah. Yep. and and on here there's names tony and stella Mendonita. all right i think that <laughs> this is their handwriting not my mother's uh so they met folks and and um so once we come back around uh, i can talk about the rest of the trip next year the year after that or whenever we get back to it so it was very interesting i had this aha moment with with the uh with the logbook okay of of where we were and it, it it's fascinating you, you you know you say you know why do you have all this data well you know what who knows when you're going to use it again but you have to appreciate it so oh yeah
0: yeah i mean uh, i i've got nothing like that from any vacations that uh, we took as kids of course it was funny i my siblings are my next oldest sibling, six years older than me. I think my parents were like tired by the time I came alive. <laughs> there didn't seem to be that many family vacations. <laughs> I think they used to go to Cape Cod a lot, and then uh, yeah, that 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 stopped.
1: But so have have you ever been to the 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 dunes in Indiana? Unlike I have not, no, nah, I don't. Have you ever, I ever, ever ever been to the Amana Country? No. Nah. Ever been to Laramie? No. Nah ever been to mission south dakota
0: <laughs> no I've, I've actually never been sort of through the midwest at all that yeah. i think about it you know yeah. interesting yeah um so anyhow
1: i you know t- t- that that's what we might call tmi nowadays. yeah but, uh, yeah so anyhow well, that, uh what was going on in the, in the well do you have any what were you
0: doing were you um, uh, the that yeah so i'm i'm gonna go real short here um to make up <laughs> for that and um I don't have anything specific. I think I could get into a few things when we talk about the pop culture stuff. But okay. uh, so some- So what was going on uh, in the headlines at this point in time? Yeah. Um, so on July 20th, uh, Bruce Lee died at the age of 32. He was a martial artist and actor. When I read it was probably an allergic reaction to painkillers, but there's maybe some more stuff on that out there if you want to check that out. On July 25th, George Harrison pays a one million pound tax on his Bangladesh concert and album. That would be 13 million four hundred thousand pounds today, or fifteen million nine hundred thousand dollars. So big amount of money there. (laughs) On July twenty-eighth, there was a big concert up in Watkins Glen at the racetrack up there. It was produced by two guys that were famous producers around our area, Shelley Finkel and Jim Koplik, and they ended up organizing it because they had produced a concert in Colt Park in the town where I grew up uh, that featured the Grateful Dead, and it was a impromptu little jam with us, some of the guys in. The Almond Brothers. And so that planted the seeds for this rock festival that they produced up in upstate New York. Yeah. With the Grateful mm-hmm. Dead and the Almond Brothers.
1: Remember how Lich used to have Jimmy Koplik on. Ha ha ha. Hey, hey there, Jimmy. What's what's the concert's coming up, man? Ha, ha, yeah. Hey. Yeah. And then and then you had Lappy on PLR who, <laughs> who would interview him. And I, I don't listen to terrestrial radio anymore. Um, but uh I wonder if Jimmy's still on because I have no idea what's going on with with with, with concerts. I mean, I get, I get stuff. I guess Bruce Springsteen is coming around. You know? Yeah, you I know, I, 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 don't know. I mean
0: Jim Koplick, I suspect was a bit older than us, so I don't I don't know that he's still doing well.
1: Shirley stuff. Finkel was big into promoting um, fights, you know, boxing. Boxing, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's I think true. Jimmy Koplik still,
0: you know, I he's probably in his seventies, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't think he was like, you know, 80 or 90, but um, I, just, <laughs> I, I don't, I, am the same as you. I don't pay attention too much to concerts. And, 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 well, there's no, there's no advocate anymore. You know, you can't yeah. go and get the free paper, you know, figure out yeah. what's
1: going on. You
0: know? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so on, uh, August 6th of, uh, 73, unfortunately Stevie wonder and his friend, John Harris are injured. Uh, when their vehicle collides with a truck loaded with logs, for four days, uh, Stevie Wonder was in a coma caused by a severe brain contusion. So, Ouch.
1: Um, yeah, uh, I, he's still with us, and I think he still kept on making good stuff. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't terminal, thank goodness. No.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I, was it the last episode we talked about Peter Frampton getting in an accident too? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Ca- cars were i don't think they had the crumple zones yet and all that stuff either yeah Yeah. so anyway and then um, finally on august 15th the u.s bombing of cambodia ends officially halting 12 years of combat activity in southeast asia you know it was interesting
1: when when you provided that that show note um, and i kind of looked it up and like you know i thought the paris peace accords had already happened but the, the fighting in vietnam had actually stopped but but the Air Force with Mr. Nixon and Mr. Kissinger and all those wonderful folks kept on
0: bombing Cambodia. Yeah. Because
1: the Khmer Rouge were problems, and uh, what a terrible...
0: Yeah, what a mess that that was. It's just, you know, yeah, getting into it, and then you can't get out of it. Uh, All right. So um, some 1973 technology um, on... June 4th, a United States patent was issued for the DocuTel automated teller machine. It was granted to Donald Wetzel, Tom Barnes, and George Chastain. Remember Barney? Barney. Barney. No, I'm I'm drawing a blank. You grew up in the area.
1: CBT, they called their ATM Barney. Okay.
0: Yes. Yes. I I,
1: <laughs> I, I think yeah. I, I have uh, in the in the uh, up in the garage, a receipt from Barney with a little, you know, a little
0: circle, and a little bow tie. Yeah. Yeah. OK. That That, that went over my head because I, I was talking about guys names. And then you mentioned Barney. I'm like,
1: Barney. <laughs> well, that's how they made you know, that's how they made this 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 machine, this terrible machine, you know, lifelike. I wonder if he, he was in the union also. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, did you have a Barney card?
0: Um, or did you use uh, uh, Burrett Mutual as your bank? Well, I, I did have a CBT account, I remember, but I don't remember having a Barney card. I don't know. What year was that? It was the was it early 80s, or 80s. Early 80s, yeah. yeah. Early
1: 80s. It, it, went, it went through. I think Barney was around until CBT went under in, in the early 90s and was absorbed by <clears throat> you know when they had a merge with uh, Shamit in, in Bank Boston and all that you know they turned into fleet and then now it's Bank of America
0: yeah all these all these old banks are gone <laughs> yeah
1: the, anything on TV that night
0: yeah so, so i I decided I think the last episode that we we'd just look at uh a specific night on TV so I went to the next night uh which was a Sunday night July 29th. So on CBS at 8 p.m., you had the new Dick Van Dyke show. And then at 8.30, you had MASH. At 9 p.m., you had Mannix. And at 10 p.m., you had Barnaby Jones on um, ABC. Not sure what was on at (laughs) 8, but uh, at 8.30, the FBI. And then at 9.30, they had a movie called uh, Three on a Couch from 1966, which I don't remember that one and then on nbc the wonderful world of disney that was uh, that's at 8 and then at 9 columbo with the episode the most dangerous match and then at 10:30 night gallery an episode called fright night so all these
1: regular shows were all reruns because it was a summer season and the and who knows if the movie had ever been on before colombo was the most dangerous match now that's the chess one all right and uh where the guy gets uh thrown into the trash eating machine right
0: yeah and yeah
1: kind of that gruesome
0: was, yeah and that was with lawrence harvey who he was he starred in the manchurian candidate with frank sinatra back in the 60s and then well, frank, one of my
1: favorite character actors lloyd butcher was in that you know who lloyd butcher is he was always mm-hmm. on everything
0: you know, if I saw the face, I'd probably know. He, he was the guy that gets chopped
1: up. His his uh, his Russian handler. Uh. He was also <laughs> all oftentimes in in uh, in uh, Hogan's Heroes, and he was in Six Million Dollar Man. I think he was also. I saw him on the Golden Girls once. He's not with us any
0: longer. Yeah, I have, have to look him up in IMDb. I, I'm always amazed at some of these people, how much yeah. the stuff they were in. Um, yeah, and that night gallery episode, Fright Night. Um, you know, they they had a lot of guest stars too that you know familiar faces, and uh, one of them in that episode was uh, Ellen Corby, who played uh, Grandma Walton, and yeah. uh, she was also in It's a Wonderful Life. You must have seen that movie. No, I haven't. You haven't. No. Uh, well, she's the one that uh, they colorized
1: asks, it, so I don't watch it anymore.
0: Uh, they. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, she's the one that asks for the low amount of money uh, when there's the bank run and, and Jimmy Stewart kisses her on the forehead.
1: Yeah, never, never seen it. All
0: right. So, um, Pete, what did we have for uh, movie releases around this time?
1: Well, big movie, American Graffiti. And American Graffiti, you know, of course, brought us happy days, you know. And yeah. uh, big, big cast. Richard Dreyfuss, Ronnie Howard, Mackenzie Phillips, Cindy Williams, you know, of course, from... Laverne and Shirley, Wolfman Jack. I told you how my sister met Wolfman Jack and Harrison yeah. Ford and Suzanne Summers. I saw a hilarious uh three's company last night with uh with my wife. And it's where Larry, you know, falls in love with Janet. And it's it's oh my god, it was hilarious. <laughs> and <laughs> so and, and how he gives Jack his little black book. Uh it, yeah. you know, I, I think I appreciate it a little bit more than I I I did. Yeah, you know, I, I I never watched it, and then I I don't know. It's it's kind of funny.
0: Oh yeah, it is. I I really like the the ones with Don Knotts. I I think he was great. He
1: was he was credited in it, but I didn't see him. So yeah. You
0: know,
1: so, but anyhow, you you talk about uh, Bruce Lee and to the Dragon came out August fifteenth. So I guess it was posthumous for him. That also had Chuck Norris and uh, and Jackie Chan. And I didn't realize Jackie Chan was... You know, I thought he got big in those Rush Hour movies in the 80s or 90s. Well,
0: you know, and, it's yeah. interesting. Um, Actually, the guy that uh, we were talking to right before the podcast uh pick, he let me borrow Cannonball Run, and Jackie Chan is in that. <laughs> I was oh, like, yeah, really? yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah.
1: But the other uh, actor in this was John Saxon. And I think John Saxon, wasn't he... Steve Austin's friend whose face came off in, in, uh, (laughs) in, uh, day of the robot. Yeah. 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 yeah, That's that's, one of my favorite $6 million mans is with John. And, and we talked about, uh, John S drew from the bionic podcast or the OSI files. He hates that episode of, of (laughs) the $6 million man. It's my favorite.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I listened to, that episode of the podcast we were talking about that. And, and you know, they were saying it's like the, the epic battle between Steve Austin and the, the robot John Saxon. It's like, yeah, as kids you were acting that out in the schoolyard. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: And and then the, and then of course, you know, they went on the Fembots, their faces came off too. I mean, yeah. it was it was awesome, you know. And yeah. I what a great TV show. And yeah. oh, Edwin. Edwin met and he had sent me a photo. I think I sent you the photograph of him with, um, Jamie Summers and Steve Austin,
0: right? Yeah.
1: And he also yeah. was sitting in, in the, in the kit car. And, yeah. uh, so, you know, he asked me if I want anything signed and I'm like, I got nothing. I don't even have stretch Armstrong, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. My, um, my, my wife talks about her, uh, her brother having a stretch armstrong that he got for christmas you know this is 40 plus you know 45 years ago and and their dog a german shepherd like ate it
0: oh well <laughs> i had a funny story about that uh i remember some littler kid in our neighborhood had one and then a couple of the big kids decided let's see how far we can stretch it and they <laughs> it snapped and they both went flying they were yanking on it really hard <laughs> it was like <laughs> <it> gave way <laughs> Yeah. so it there was a limit <laughs> there was a
1: limit to the Stretch armstrong but yeah. you know for a little kid it's probably okay and then our yeah. our last movie that came out on the 17th of august was a uh, jesus christ superstar with ted neely and yvonne element and we've talked a whole bunch about about yvonne and uh and if you go back to episode five or seven or whatever it was uh, uh if you want to know anything about the jesus christ superstar go listen to the deep purple podcast anyhow data sources billboard magazine that's where the charts come from we're getting back to the music now we pop culture in the 70s is awesome um yeah so uh websites for uh information AllMusic.com, songfacts.com and wikipedia there's uh mark's lazy and the books are ranking the 70s by dan isabel and bill carroll and of course the american top 40 with casey case in the 70s with pete Battistini.
0: Yeah, so I, I didn't mention that I'm recording from a different location, actually a different state. Um, I'm at the uh, Warner Robach Studios in the, oh, wow, Uruguay, Rhode Island. So,
1: Did uh, you bring firewood from
0: Connecticut? <laughs> I don't have a fire pit here, actually. Maybe it's something nice to have.
1: Yeah. Well, that's that's good. It's I tell you, the weather has been beautiful. I mean, uh, yeah. A little rain, but but yeah. this has been one of the nicest summers. It, it really know. has, yeah.
0: So, yeah, just wanted to mention that uh, on the Sirius XM uh, show where this episode aired, Bill Withers introduced it, and um, he he passed away in uh, in March. 30th of uh, 2020 at the age of 81. Uh, February 22nd, 1974, he hosted an episode of the Midnight Special, and you know who was also a guest on that show?
1: Rory, Rory Gallagher.
0: <laughs> Did you see the photograph
1: I sent you from the from the newspaper?
0: Yeah, yeah. So With Rory, <laughs> so Rory McIlroy is in second place at the British Open. He had a good round today. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I
1: I wasn't paying attention. I had this thing called work. I'm not retired, But, you know, with with 10% inflation, you might have to come back to work.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a little worrisome. (laughs) All right. Anyway, so, you know, uh, people are probably screaming at their podcast machines for us to get on with it. So (laughs) now as Casey would say, on with the countdown.
1: I did not remember this song at all.
0: I did not either. Um, so this is, yeah, number 40, I'll Always Love My Mama, part one by The Intruders. It's a Philly soul song. This is a Gamble and Huff composition. Um, and uh the intruders played a major role in the rise of philadelphia soul their first pop chart hit was in 1968 cowboys to girls which went to number six and they had another chart hit i want to know your name in 1973 but uh, they disbanded in 75. this would be a nice mother's day song
1: oh absolutely you know what and you know
0: My mother loved
1: her mama because she was going to send that postcard to her folks. She never did. So I don't know. I love my Yeah.
0: And and I'll mention that my, my mother-in-law just passed away a little over a week ago at the age of 93. Uh, Mm. Good long life, but sad to see her go. That's a
1: good long life though.
0: Yes, it is.
1: So this next band was in our our, uh, previous countdown from 1973, which was Seventy days ago with a different song. We
0: were very happy. Well, at least I thought we were. Can somebody tell me what got in there? A house, a home, a family.
1: This is someone that had a place down in uh Ransom, Missouri. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He had his own TV show. Dawn featuring Tori
0: Orlando. Yeah. This is Say Has Anybody Seen My Sweet Gypsy Rose? So this was uh, written by the duo of Levine and Brown who also wrote Tony Orlando and Don's hits, including "Knock Three Times" and "Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree." So this isn't a cover. I thought this was from like the '40s. Um this, this no. is a new song. Yeah, apparently this guy Levine was a fan of uh, Al Jolson, and he proposed uh, the concept for this song, saying, "It's like you know, let's write some songs that could have been written in the early 1900s." and um, so they like, be- like a Scott Joplin type of vibe. Yeah. So the, the name of the album that this is on is Dawn's New Ragtime Follies. And it, it had, I guess, a lot of songs that sort of were in this, you know, kind of genre, if you will. Um, one thing that I didn't read, though, is I thought this was based on the life of uh, Gypsy Rose Lee. You know, because that was that musical Gypsy. Yeah, with Bette 60s. Mittler, right? Wasn't she in Gypsy? Uh, Well, they might have redone it, but it was Natalie Wood and uh, Ethel Merman, I thought. Oh,
1: all right. All right. Well, they, Tony Lando and Gong were big. They had their own TV show, and they always had that bit, you know, your pants are so tight, you can't put your comb in your back pocket. (laughs) Remember that? Yeah. (laughs) Your your pants are so tight, you can't put your wallet in your back pocket. (laughs) I wonder, I wonder if Tony Orlando got fat, you know, yeah. he had tight-fitting leather pants.
0: <laughs> when I think about it, they kind of, were they just copying the shtick of uh, Sonny and Cher? Like, it seemed like the, you know, the, the two ladies, Dawn, would just, like, you know, roll their eyes or whatever. Yeah, I don't
1: know. I, I remember seeing, watching it, you know, so. Yeah. And I haven't seen it in a long time. And, but the problem is, you know, for those two ladies is who are they? because they can't be both named dawn you know
0: well Um, was it Thelma houston one of them or am i getting oh yeah
1: the thing is is that when you say tony Orlando and dawn it's like it 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 it, it, it's like tom petty and the heartbreakers you know who the hell are the heartbreakers okay unless you you know you know who ben montenche is and stuff like that so we're on to uh 38 there's not a street that you can walk
0: All right, this is the Four Tops. Yeah, so Are You Man Enough? Um, I didn't remember this one, did you?
1: Yeah, I did, because I listened to the 70s on 7.
0: So. Ah, okay, so they do play it. I mean, cool yeah. lyrics about, you know, trying to survive on the mean streets. Funky in the background. I kind of mm-hmm. like the breakdown with the clap track and horns that comes a little later on. Yeah. Um, this one appeared as the second track on the soundtrack to the movie Shaft in Africa. And it reached number two on the American R&B chart and number 15 on the Billboard chart in 1973. The movie was Shaft Shaft in Africa? So there was a sequel to the original Shaft and it was Shaft in Africa. Yeah, and this song was actually wow. used as the main theme song for the film. Wow,
1: and I never saw Shaft. I, mean, oh, yeah. I, lo- I love the... Sammy Davis jr version of, of that song
0: mm. and whatever
1: okay uh, I'll have to uh, see if I can get that rent that VHS from the video store.
0: <laughs> yeah I, I both movies weren't uh, particularly good in my opinion yeah. yeah the music was good but the...
1: so this uh, number 37 we had uh, from 10 weeks ago yeah great song spinners we love the spinners
0: yeah yeah they uh they just had uh, a really great sound and and really upbeat so yeah yeah, one of of a kind love affair by the spinners um off their album the spinners in 73 and this one got as high as number 11 yeah they're great
1: we talked about them in episode one yeah (laughs) so
0: And And I think a few other episodes.
1: I tell you, we love the spinners on this uh, 70s weekly content. Here's another gentleman who was not on it 10 weeks ago, but we've had him a whole bunch of times. Number 36. unmistakable, soulful voice
0: and groove of Marvin Gaye. Yep, and there he said it, let's get it on. Um, So this one went to number one. Um, At this point, Casey said how Marvin Gaye uh, had 44 chart records. This song is kind of interesting. It was originally written by a a 1950s one-hit wonder by the name of Ed Townsend, and the song originally addressed his desire to get on with life after beating alcoholism, but Marvin Gaye completely changed the lyrics and the meaning to the song and um, after he met uh, Janice Hunter, who was the woman who would become his second wife. And this song uh, helped cement Marvin Gaye's reputation as one of the greatest singers of baby-making music, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) This this has become kind of a cliche in the way it's used as a trope for cringy romantic scenes on TV and in film, um, including uh, in Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me. (laughs) Mm.
1: (laughs) I saw the first Austin Powers movie. I didn't see the other two. Yeah, but Marvin Gaye, this is this is a big, big, big song. What's oh, a makossa?
0: <laughs> I don't know specifically. So Casey was talked about this. So this is Soul Macosa, um by Manu. The- Bango, pronounce that right. And at least this translates into basically an invitation to get up and dance. This guy was a native of Cameroon and he enjoyed a long career as a musician and a songwriter, uh, developing a fusion of jazz and African musical styles. Um, was this was- the
1: guy that they wanted to uh, put into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year who was nominated?
0: I don't and, know, and it's
1: like, who is this guy? Because yeah. I I got I got to I got to look that up. But because,
0: there's yeah, there's something interesting about this song. This song became notable for the refrain "Mama say, Mama say, Mama cosa" because Michael Jackson borrowed this for his 1983 hit "Wanna Be Starting Something."
1: Big song. Um,
0: yeah. Um, yeah. Now, and, I,
1: now I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and
0: he, he didn't have permission. Uh, so uh, the Bango eventually reached an out of court settlement with Jackson over the lyrics. And uh, yeah. So, but I, I, yeah, I'll have to look that up about the uh, rock and roll ball thing.
1: Because I saw something and it's like, who the heck is this guy? And I didn't know who, but, but, you know, I, I was probably reading it in the paper or on the interweb or something. And, yeah. But, well, you know, I know this song. I mean, this, this song is, you know this is really catchy and yeah now so now to, to hear that michael jackson's kind of ripped it off is kind of cool but it's, yeah it's a great song yeah
0: yeah so it's off the album electro funk volume two <laughs> this is a cool. cool how you feel brother feel good you feel good thank so much bone brother how you feel man I, right. I call your name i don't want people to
1: know you're in here So I think I know who this is, but I don't know why the artist is Fred Wesley in the JBs because there's someone on the, you know, is someone doing a Barry White type of thing right now?
0: Um, yeah, kinda. So this is uh, doing it to death, uh, as as Pete mentioned, Fred Wesley and the JBs. So this one went to number 22. The J.B.'s was the name of James Brown's band from 1970 through the early 1980s. Um, they were led by trombonist Fred Wesley, and in addition to backing James Brown on stage during this area, they also recorded albums and singles on their own. Yes, yeah, so this song was their biggest hit, and it's basically a jam session with the lead vocal by...
1: James Brown.
0: Yeah. So, if it sounds like a James Brown song, there's a good reason for it. Uh, I, I, I wonder if that during
1: during the session, you know, if James Brown find, you know, the, the trumpet player and the drummer for missing yeah. a beat, <laughs> you always hear the story of James Brown looking at someone and like pointing at him, you know, that's a, you, you've just been docked five bucks. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, the the title of this song doesn't appear anywhere in the lyrics doing it to death, uh, that came from a figure of speech that James Brown heard from Fred Wesley. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, probably because James Brown kept on, you know, uh, God, rehearsing them and finding them, so we didn't have yeah. to pay him anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, great, great song, and it's a good story, because, you know, I heard him like, ah, so... I've
0: been in red, please.
1: So this this song was on our uh, chart 10 weeks ago. I don't know what it was 10 weeks ago, but um, it was on the
0: chart 16 weeks.
1: I should get my folder out. My yeah. Piece of paper.
0: So, so this is uh, Right Place, Wrong Time by Dr. John. This one went as high as number nine. At, at, yeah, at this point, it's falling. Uh, you know what Dr. John's real name is? Because I looked that up. Mister. Uh, Mr. John. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually Mac Um He was a New Orleans-born session musician who, in 1968, decided to take on this uh, musical persona, Dr. John, and uh, he, he said this song is sort of autobiographical in terms he always seemed to be in the right place, wrong time, et cetera, et cetera. So.
1: <clears throat> so, 10 weeks ago, it was number 25. Because uh, those of you looking on Channel 18, you can see my paper. So. Good song. Yep. Go back to episode one. Dog, what's that
0: flower you have on? Okay. Could it be a faded rose from days gone by? And did I hear you say he wasn't meeting you here today? To take you to his mansion in the sky. This... She's 41 and her daddy still calls her baby. Helen Ready, Delta Dawn. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so this song once um, went to number one. It's about a faded Southern bell whose reputation was tarnished after she hooked up with a man of ill repute. And yeah, now that she's 41 years old, she's wandering the streets of Brownsville, Tennessee in search of this guy. Uh, Is there such a place, Brownsville, uh, Tennessee? I think so.
1: Is that where Brownsville Junction, you know, the band is from? Good question.
0: Is it Brownsville Junction or Brownsville... Station? Station, yeah. Yeah. So this one was written by country performers Alexander Harvey and Larry Collins in 1972. And uh, Bette Midler, put the song in her live repertoire before it became a country hit for Tanya Tucker. And Bette Midler's Delta Dawn single was scheduled for release, but Capitol Records released this Helen Reddy version two days before. And this prompted the big leagues at Atlantic to flip Midler's record over and push the B-side, which we'll hear later. Um, instead. Wow. So those, those are like, you know, <laughs> Heavy heavyweights,
1: you know, as 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 Casey would say, boy, the girls where's my clip?
0: The girls are, are
1: making music or whatever it was.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and also the, the Carpenters were gonna do a version of this too, but they replaced it with Superstar. So song had a lot of history. Everybody wanted it, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, let's see if I can find this.
0: We'll hear from six female solo acts on American Top Forty this week. Strangely enough, that's more than we've had in three months. The girls are coming on. <laughs> there
1: you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that was that was from a from a different time, but uh, it, it that was the big clip, not the little clip. that Yeah, I, just uh, I
0: boy, of. interesting though the fighting between the labels too, or, or competition. Yeah. Guess, uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So so the next song uh, is a repeat from ten weeks ago
0: when I go away, I know my heart can stay with my love. Yeah, so there it is, uh, My Love by Paul McCartney and Wings. Um, this one, yeah, went to number one. Um, it's off the album Red Rose Speedway, and um, Casey talked about how on the album's sleeve, notes there's a message in braille and it says uh, we love you baby and it was uh, supposedly uh written specifically for stevie wonder yeah well hopefully
1: uh stevie got out of the hospital and was able to uh check it out yeah, yeah. sort of
0: an interesting coincidence yeah My sister Carolyn saying, Aretha Well, Aretha was come by when you came,
1: she said her own name <laughs> <wanna see> <laughs> was done. Our content last week, and and Casey was talking from 1970, was talking about when I got how uh, a preacher's daughter and uh, you know, this is said, you know, rather than go through a long kind of a thing. I don't know what you'd call this. It sounds like Lou Reed doing this, you know, how Lou Reed would talk. You know, yeah. I don't know. So, I'm, I'm, I'm not into this.
0: So it's a little interesting. This one was... Uh, Aretha Franklin's younger sister was named Carolyn, which she, she mentions in the beginning of the show. And it's like um, she was a very talented singer and songwriter in her own right. And she wrote this song with Sonny Saunders, who was a member of uh, the Motown group, the Santa Tones and uh, a prominent arranger. And the song wasn't written specifically for Aretha, but when they were finished, Caroline thought it would be perfect for her sister. And and so Aretha does a little talking in the beginning. And she says, I got a call the other day. It was my sister, Caroline, saying, hey, Aretha.
1: (laughs) So So this band was on our countdown 10 weeks ago with the song. It sure took a long, long time. And uh, I don't remember this song. Do you remember the song in the, or the band?
0: No. So this is How Can I Tell Her by Lobo. You, you know, these guys probably their biggest song that people remember is uh, Me and You and a Dog Named, Dog Named Boo, Yeah, yeah. But they also did I'd Love You to Want Me. Oh yeah. This yeah. this song reached twenty two. But uh, yeah, I don't remember this at all. You know these
1: guys. You know, I'd like to see a like a a, a knife fight between these guys and bread.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: This song I don't remember at all. No. Big band of the '70s, though, of course.
0: yeah so this is uh where peaceful waters flow by gladys knight and the pips um off their album imagination so this was their 11th studio album and but their first with buddha records after leaving motown and it includes their first and only number one hit midnight train to georgia
1: best Uh, song ever
0: yeah (laughs) because this one stinks yeah, this one, uh, don't remember it at all. Yeah. I think it was described as a, a moderately successful single.
1: Here's a guy with two first names. <laughs> there was a guy in college named Paul Bob.
0: Remember uh, Paul Bob? Uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. There was also a guy that worked at the uh, the old plant with the same last name as this guy, only his first name was George. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend, uh, his first name is the big new and his last name is Paul, who's uh, the brother of somebody we know. <laughs> but in high school, he was, Well, that's a guy, another guy with the first his, two names. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Paul Chris. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They mm-hmm. were swapping the names back and forth <laughs> in high school.
1: <laughs> I always get a, a a kick out of people with two first names. It's like, Fair. really? Come on. So this is Charlie Rich. Yeah, all right. And a big country star, I guess. This is behind closed doors. I remember this song, I'm not a country guy. Yeah. Um, so what do you what do you anything about uh,
0: Charlie? <laughs> so the what's interesting is this was written during the watergate scandal and the lyrics were inspired by how the congressional committee they had a number of non-public sessions basically behind closed doors so should we get in touch
1: with lowell wiker and ask him about
0: it he's still <laughs> yeah. with us so <laughs> <Is he?
1: laughs>
0: yeah I, I yeah you. so he, so charlie rich uh took this concept and uh, yeah made this song more about some racy stuff going on behind closed doors. Uh, I would have, you would have never known this is about Watergate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this one was uh, featured in the 1979 film Every Which Way But Loose. Oh, with a chimpanzee. Yeah. Yep. The, the orangutan Clyde. <laughs> Clyde. Yeah. <laughs> Number 26. Down around the corner. Wow. Well, this is not.
1: Roll back water, but this is a great song by a great band,
0: yeah.
1: Unmistakable production by Ted Templeman, Doobie Brothers, long train run. yeah. So, I, I like a, the Doobie Brothers,
0: I like, uh, them. yeah, I, I love them. Um, so this one went to number eight. I kind of have a lot to say about this because, uh, well, first of all, it was a great song, yeah, and the, the harmonica break, I love, uh, Tom Johnston. Said he wrote this song, which they played live for three years before recording it. They they kind of just had had sort of the music behind it, but they hadn't uh, really gotten the lyrics down. And uh, he said he wrote it in a bathroom at Amigo Studios in Burbank, which doesn't exist anymore. Um, but so uh,
1: so he didn't write it at the at the Ponderosa Motel in Winnemucca. <laughs>
0: no but uh you know this album the captain and me which uh i thought was going to be the uh your autobiography about you know a certain supervisor we worked with (laughs) but anyway uh this this album had uh uh where is it uh china grove on it and also south city midnight lady So, what's interesting is Randy Bachman has implied that the Doobie Brothers lifted this guitar riff uh, from this song from Let It Ride. Um, According to Bachman, in 1972, the Doobie Brothers were sharing a dressing room with PTO for a show in New Orleans. And um, that's when he wrote Let It Ride. This is disputed, um, an argument being made that... uh, all right, now I BTO. want a knife
1: fight between BTO and the Doobie Brothers yeah okay? but but um, actually Doobie Brothers are going to win because BTO only has three guys and the Doobie Brothers are five
0: yeah and also um the Doobie say it's the other way around that BTO took it from them. yeah um and of course Rory Gallagher toured with the Doobies and um I recently saw a picture of uh, Rory backstage with skunk Baxter and they're both nice. having a beer and uh, yes. skunks drinking a, a Budweiser, and I couldn't tell what Rory was drinking.
1: Well, maybe he was drinking a Guinness. Could he even get Guinness in
0: 1974? I think so. I, I saw something America? where where they were showing like what he requested backstage, and I believe it was a crate of Guinness. Crate, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is a very, very interesting band, and, uh, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I don't know enough about 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 Sly and the Family Stone, it's a cool song,
0: great stuff. Do you have anything, Mark? Um, yeah, so this is, uh, yeah, if you want me to stay, um... So, in 1968, uh, these guys got going and um, they ended up having 14 charted songs, five top tens and three at number one. Um, If You Want Me To Stay was the band's final top 20 hit and this one got to number 12. yeah, I I probably we'll probably see these guys again, so I'll I'll do a little more research on the band themselves yeah. to I,
1: I probably should know more and I should probably appreciate Sly, you know, more. Um but I you know, there's a lot of things to like. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. And and yeah. I
1: do like I, I think I do like you know what? My neighbor had a garage sale years ago. And and at the end of the day he like you know just to the north of me here and he had a whole bunch of lps that were out now i don't know if it were his or his sister's or whatever he's about 10 years older than me and i picked up the lps i think they're right behind me if for those of you watching on news channel uh uh 18 oh it's not a news channel on channel 18 with uh, <laughs> reverend gene scott but uh i never played the record you know it's one of these where, oh i get you know i'll save that you know yeah so,
0: yeah, yeah, they put out good stuff, and uh, yeah, they in uh, August 30th, 1974, they uh, performed in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, and you know who opened for them? Rory Gallagher. Yep.
1: He's <laughs> uh, another big soul guy. This song is big. This has been in movies, I think. Uh, I think. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, I've definitely heard it uh, in other places besides the radio. Yeah. So this is Here I Come Again, parentheses, Come and Take Me by Al Green. Off, uh, his no, radio.
1: not Here I Come Again. Here I am.
0: Oh, did I say Here I Come Again? Okay. Yeah, you're thinking of white snake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Here I Am, parentheses, Come and Take Me. Close parentheses. Yeah. So this was written by Al Green and T.D. Hodges, who also worked with Green on his hits, Take Me to the River and Love and Happiness. Take Me, Me to the Al- River.
1: Great cover by Talking Heads. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's, it's a good song. Yeah. So this uh, Call Me album was really considered Al Green's uh, best. And it's, Widely regarded as one of the best soul albums of all time. Um, what happened to Al Green? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Again, it's one of these things where, yeah, maybe I should do more on the artists than just the song. But, yeah. Uh... I know what happened to Al Graff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you played golf with him two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, a good song. You know, this is this is part of the culture, and uh, it's it's enjoyable. You know, but I think you got to be in the right yeah. mood for, for that because it it can get like, all right, enough's enough. Yeah, so that's maybe I, that's why I stopped. It. Uh,
0: I did read that uh, Al Green was one of the few performers to play live on Soul Train, and he had a broken arm when he appeared on the show in 1974. But with one arm in a sling and uh, another holding a rose, he sang an uh, electrifying rendition of this song. And it became one of the musical highlights of uh, Soul Train. Didn't
1: George Harrison have a song called This Song also? That was like railing against like record labels
0: in the Yeah, it sounds familiar.
1: a trip out to LA, along in my Chevrolet, on the number digging on the radio. This is a song that you wrote all about the factory. Yeah, right. Remember, I said that a number of episodes ago, and you're like, "Oh no, that's Brownsville Station or wherever it was." <laughs> this is this is the one, right?
0: Yeah. So this uh, this is Uneasy Rider um, by the Charlie Daniels Band off uh, their album Honey in the Rock from 1973. Um, this one went to number nine and Charlie um, Daniels basically said he, he wrote this song, song when he was uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana and there was this uh, rock festival going on, the Grateful Dead were there in Jefferson Airplane and he said hanging out at the hotel there were a bunch of people with like long hair and uh, that he thought, oh long-haired hippie type freaks and, And that the, you know, the locals probably wanted to run up and uh, shave their heads. So we sort of put this story together. It's a great song. It's a lot of fun.
1: Well, it's so good that I actually heard it and I wrote it down because we picked this episode or this week, last week. I heard it on XM Deep Tracks last week on this day. Yeah. And I'm like, Uh,
0: yeah. And I remember you and I, you probably remember this. We were at work, and I forget what we were talking about, but you were kind of ranking on the town I lived with, lived in at the time. And you were like, Oh, I bet you guys don't even have garages in your town. And I was like, I do too have a garage. You can call home and ask my wife. <laughs> uh, I remember
1: that. That's, you know, that, that's about having fun. Yeah. Nice song, great memories. Yeah. And I tell you, the, the, the thing you put together for Bagel Friday was 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 genius. All right. So uh, Yeah, for,
0: for those listening, I, I used to bring in bagels on Friday and do a little comedy thing. And so instead of going into a bar in Jackson, Mississippi, I talked about going in to get the bagels and <laughs> a little adventure, <laughs> if you will. <laughs>
1: Love and devotion. Tracks, devotion. I didn't remember this one at all and you know what this this thing could have been put out 10 years from from 1973 and made it somewhat because of the the, the syncopation and yeah know, is it is it like you know a, a mini Michael Jackson
0: guy I I don't know it, do you know anything about it, this is it, it is yeah so this is uh Misdemeanor by Foster Silvers and I thought this sounded like uh, ABC by the Jacksons Um, but this one peaked at number 22 Uh, Foster Silvers had uh, a hit and this was his uh, first time out with a a single Um, The Silvers did, uh, he was in the band The Silvers so oh okay so the silvers, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. we know the silvers yeah yeah so um but he was yeah he was uh, young at the time and he had good looks so he was kind of like uh you know the tiger beat magazine type of guy actually he was um was he on the cover with leaf garrett he was actually on the cover of uh ebony magazine um okay and uh yeah so Yeah. It written well, by yeah. actually his his older brother, Leon Silvers third.
1: Yeah. But the Silvers, they did at the high school dance. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And then they had this the, yeah. the
0: huge hit, Boogie Fever. Yeah. 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 So he was just kind of, he was kind of like the, yeah, the Michael Jackson or the Donny Osmond doing a single. Yeah. All right. Didn't remember it. Good for Foster.
1: All right. This is the half. This is the wings. Not Paul McCartney. Not Linda. Not Denny Lane. The wings doing "Live and Let Die." This is from the movie uh, "Live and Let Die," James Bond movie. Is this the one where they go to Thailand and and they got the 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 the, the guy from the south and they? Hmm. Uh,
0: I think no. I think that was the next one. I think this was the one that was found in New Orleans. Uh, is but this the sheriff was in that the, one yeah. too? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then
1: he was on vacation. The next one.
0: All yeah. Right, it so. was the first. This was the first uh, Roger Moore James
1: Bond uh, movie. Yeah. Well, so, I don't know. I don't have a lot to say about this because. Yeah. You know, this uh, is another Paul McCartney. He. he
0: so it's funny. The, the one funny thing about this song is they, you know, they they gave it to Paul McCartney. They, they already had the title of the movie because it was, you know, based on the Ian Fleming book. Right. And McCartney said he was just lucky to get a good title to work with. He said he always felt sorry uh, later on for the person who had to write for Quantum of Solace. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you know I, I, it reminds me of the talking about the previous episode with uh, Frankie Valley and the, you know Greece is Greece. the
1: word <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right stamps are the word. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, uh.
0: uh yeah this is brother Louie by the stories um aye, casey. Aye, aye. <laughs> casey talked about uh who really wrote this song which is a band called hot chocolate and they were an uh, interracial uh band from london who had a hit in 1975 with you sexy thing um And this was written by their lead singer, Errol Brown, and bass player, Tony Wilson. Um, And it's about an interracial romance. Uh, This one went to number one. Yeah, and it was the story's only hit. The hot chocolate version, um, yeah, they did their own version in the UK, and um, they picked the charts there. And it has a spoken word portion done by British blues artist, Alex Corner, um, who once uh, jammed with Rory Gallagher in
1: 1972. <laughs> so I, I go, hi, 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 because me and my buddy Jaime, we would listen to this song, you know, 30 years ago plus, and every And <laughs> he said, Louie, 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 Louie. And then we'd go, hi, hi, hi. I don't know why. <laughs> But, you know, it's just sort of. So if you listen to Jaime, you know, there yeah. you go.
0: I, I like that song. Enough. I like That's the part a good where it's <laughs> Number 19. I feel sorry.
1: I feel sorry. Whatever happened to this guy? This guy's good. I feel Didn't he have that jump up and get down song? Um. Yeah, we no had we had him on in the last 10 weeks.
0: Did we? Okay. So this, this is, I believe in you parentheses. You believe in me by Johnny Taylor. Um, so this one got to number 11 and, um,
1: this yeah. guy could have two first names
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah this track was cut in the uh muscle muscle I can't say that muscle, muscle Scholes, Scholes. Found in uh, alabama with members of uh the famed rhythm section bassist david hood drummer roger hawkins and guitarist jimmy johnson keyboardist barry beckett and uh yeah davis uh excuse me john taylor uh he had a big hit in 1968 with who's making love oh yeah uh, yeah yeah, and he's in the blues hall of fame Uh, he was a big blues artist but he had something
1: else i mean if i go through the records we can figure it out but good good song great voice great composition and uh I I do remember this song. You know, you'll hear it on on the Oldies channel.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, this artist was also on our chart 10 weeks ago uh, with, um, oh my gosh, I had it here, with Out of the Question. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, so... This is uh, Get Down by Gilbert O'Sullivan from his album, I'm a Writer, Not a Fighter, 1973.
1: So did Paul McCartney and and, and Michael Jackson steal that from him, that song, <laughs> Say, 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 I'm a lover, not a fighter?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, this one went to number seven, and, and Casey uh, mentioned that in the past year. O'Sullivan had had hits with Out of the Question, Clear, and Alone Again Naturally.
1: That's his big one.
0: Yeah, and this song has a line, you're a bad dog baby, but I still want you around. But this song is not about an actual dog, um, although it's long rumored to be, but Gilbert O'Sullivan says it's about an overzealous league, not a poorly trained dog. (laughs)
1: Is that his real name or is that like some kind of made up crap? I
0: believe that's a made up name. If he appears again, I'll. uh...
1: Sorry that I started Gilbert O'Sullivan again. That was my mistake. I apologize to everyone out in podcast land. So what's interesting is, is, uh, you know, the data that uh, I have from my, 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 folks on their trip is uh for their gas mileage in the 1972 Volkswagen bus okay we got about uh where's the chart here we got about 18 miles per gallon in that vehicle all right uh 17 18 so Salt Lake City 19.5 etc 21 when we were driving around California and so the information I got from my uh uh, my mother's car and the data that I took from my daughter and I've been taking for the last two and a half years, we're only getting 21.198 miles per gallon. Not a big increase, you know, in 40 years in automobiles. So, you know, you know and, and that automobile had seats for nine. The Ford Escape that, that my daughter's driving around, you know, it's a five person
0: vehicle. So what's yeah. going on, uh, Al Gore? <laughs> I was going to ask you, I'm assuming you didn't have air conditioning. Either.
1: No, there was no air conditioning. No, Yeah. yeah. vent, windows.
0: Yeah. Did so, you ever uh, have
1: a Volkswagen, or was it just your father's 225 or two two six? So my sister,
0: my father bought my sister a Volkswagen Beetle probably the late 70s, secondhand. And it was an automatic, which, which was kind of rare. Um, but um, whenever it rained, you couldn't start the thing because we didn't have a garage, and the rain would go down the back, you know, roof and go right into the engine compartment. So.
1: Well, what's interesting is I have here in the in the in the books here, I have as you were watching on channel 18, my father's VW book because he bought a a VW Bug, 1960 VW Bug four cylinders model 113. Serial number two five six nine three four four, motor number three zero nine six zero zero eight. Uh, it had a, uh, a vehicle registration of two one 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 zero three, and uh, and this vehicle got almost thirty miles per gallon. And uh, so he bought gas in Hartford, Windsor, Southwick, went up to Massachusetts, uh, Windsor, Granby, so. There you go. So what is this song?
0: And how much gas
1: mileage did we get from this one?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So this is So Very Hard to Go by the Tower of Power um, from their self-titled album in in 1973. Casey called these guys 10 men from San Francisco. Uh, This was their biggest chart hit, uh, reaching number 17, uh, number 11 on the R&B chart. Emilio Castillo wrote this and he said he wrote it in one sitting and as soon as uh, the group was done writing it, uh, they knew it was going to be a big hit. So the Tower of Power horn section played on several tracks for other artists and did very well. Among them, uh, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me by Elton John and The Power of Love by Huey Lewis in the News and Everybody's Everything by Santana. Ooh, that's a great song. I love yeah. that off of Santana Three. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Rory Gallagher opened for Tower of Power for multiple dates in 1970.
1: So this, this song is off the number one LP for the week of uh, nineteen uh, of uh, July 28, 1973. This is uh, off of VI. Now it's not a Labview VI. It is Chicago, VI or Chicago Six, and this is yeah. uh, feeling stronger every day. I don't know, Chicago.
0: Yeah. What you got? Well, it's funny. Casey said the album is simply titled Six. <laughs> so, but geez. they use
1: Roman numerals. It's like the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Except for fifty, because fifty is what
0: uh, L, L or something. Yeah. 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 So uh, James Pacnow was the one that uh, composed this one. trombonist again, right? Yeah. And also Just You and Me, uh, the other hit off this album. Uh, Robert Lamb, um, he was usually the the group songwriter at this point. Yeah. Is this Peter Cetera singing?
1: Sounds like it. Sounds like him, yeah. all right i didn't remember this song this is bloodstone natural high and um yeah to me, this is a natural
0: low yeah um so this one peaked at uh, number 10. um it was featured on the soundtrack of Quentin tarantino's crime drama jackie brown in 1997. this was the bloodstone's biggest hit And uh, another top 40 called Outside Woman that peaked at number 38. They had a total of five top 100 hits. Casey said the Bloodstone is uh, six men who grew up in the same neighborhood together.
1: Nice. So this song was also on our, our, from 10 weeks ago. Who the heck is this? Clint Holmes. So this was, I'm looking at the chart, this was number 22 10 weeks ago. And it got all the way up to number 2. So when we had it uh, May 19th it was on its way up and now it's on its way down.
0: Yeah. So this is a playground in my mind. Um, Yeah, and it was on the chart for 8 weeks, which is mind-boggling to me.
1: Everyone knows this song, Pink Floyd, Money, off the biggest-selling yeah. LP like forever, except for Thriller, you know. Money, Pink Floyd.
0: Yeah, so this is where I will probably get a little controversial. Not a Pink Floyd fan, am I? And I, I think, I'm going to take your take on that Money song. That has been played to death. All right, so we'll play and, it again. And, and I think on the same subject, the OJ's Love of Money is a much better song. <laughs> <laughs> so there. <laughs> all right,
1: all right, enough, enough of this. Uh, all right, number
0: 12. Now,
1: everyone knows this song. My daughter had me download this on the iTunes machine ten years ago because it was around Halloween, and and I I, I spent the ninety nine cents even though I think I have it on a KTEL Looney Tunes record, and and this song was done by Bobby Boris Pickett in the Crypto Zoologist or something. <laughs> it's it's crypt- cut off on my on my thing, <laughs> and uh, this 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 is at this point in time. You know, this is the summer. You know, typically the song sells a lot in October. Yeah. And this came out like in the early '60s, right? Monster Mash.
0: Yeah. So, um, from what I read, this this artist Bobby Pickett accomplished a rare feat of reaching the top 100 music chart three times with the same song. Uh, he did it on October 20th, 1962, with the original release, the hit number one. And then it was uh, again on the chart August 29th, 1970, peaking at number 91. And then again on May 5th, when it went all the way to number 10. Casey said Bobby Boris Pickett is an actor and somewhat of a singer. <laughs> But, somewhat uh,
1: of a singer that's yeah. awesome
0: so I looked him up on IMDB uh he looked like he was one of those character actors he appeared in the, the Beverly Hillbillies Bonanza and T.J. Hooker uh,
1: well there's nothing better than T.J. Hooker because my yeah. friend uh Edwin loves that show because it's has uh, Mr. Shatner in it <laughs> yeah but you know what's interesting is you talk about going back to number one all the time I, I think they the charts change the rules and I think that Miss Carrie with her do they know it's christmas is hitting you know number one every christmas with her with her song and god bless yeah. it's a great song I, you know and and those guys from why is this song number one uh, the, the the slate thing did a whole mm-hmm. thing about mariah Carey's christmas song and, it, and it's quite fascinating and and but i just read something in the paper you know how someone's like suing her for stealing the song or something i i i, I don't know um yeah, it's a lot of money so I'm sure people are trying to weasel in Yeah, it's a great song you know what Monster Mash is a great song and that Mariah Carey Christmas song is a great song too
0: yeah I love the line about in Monster Mash about the, the band the Crip Caker 5 <laughs> touch me in the well
1: here's your girl Dana Ross Touch Me In The Morning
0: Yeah, so Casey said that this was Diana Ross's biggest hit in three years since Ain't No Mountain High Enough, which uh, got to number one. Um, This one was written by Ron Miller um, and Michael Masser. Um, It was Diana Ross's uh, first hit produced by Masser, and he continued to produce more songs for her over the years, including the last time I saw him. Theme from Mahogany. I thought it took a little time, and it's my turn. Uh, the song was somewhat of a comeback for Diana Ross in the music industry, as it was released when she was receiving excellent reviews for her film debut, *Lady Sings the Blues*. She was also in the
1: Whiz, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which uh, we we which talked. About.
0: I yeah. I didn't. Uh, I wasn't in it in grammar school, but. Uh, our grammar school put that on as a play
1: or a <laughs> musical. No, this is this is a big song, and Donna and Ross is, she's she's wonderful. It's part of your fifteen million dollar twenty twenty two dollar money, but this was not on the Bangladesh record. <laughs> Unmistakable George Harrison, give me love. Open parentheses. Give me peace on earth. Close parentheses. So was this off of? Um, I don't even know what LP this. It, is. it what was off of 1973?
0: Yeah, uh, living in the material world. Oh, okay. 1973. So yeah, George Harrison. Give me love. Parentheses. Give me peace on earth. So George Harrison around this time was quoted as saying, uh, I wanna be God conscious, that's really my only ambition. And everything else in life is incidental. Was well, he stealing
1: course. it from, uh, from <laughs> Gordon Lightfoot and that other yeah, guy? Yeah, again,
0: so. <laughs> so at this period he was dedicated to, yeah, that uh, assisting refugees of the Bangladesh Liberation yeah. War and uh, you know, staging his benefit concerts in New York and uh, it was also the height of his uh, devotion to the Hindu spirituality. Number nine.
1: Didn't Peter Benchley write this story? Or was it Sherman Hemsley?
0: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we'll we'll get into it. So this is uh, The Morning After by Maureen McGovern. Um, from the same uh, titled album the morning after so this one went to number one it was written by a, a guy by the name of Al Kasha and uh Joel Hirschhorn uh for the Hems- Osc- Hemsley yeah <laughs> for the Oscar winning movie The Poseidon Adventure starring Gene Hackman um uh, the original saw it. yeah I did the original title of the song was Why Must There Be a Morning After? Um, the song is about weathering a storm figuratively in in the context of the movie literally. Um, so it's kind of interesting. So in the movie, it, it's performed and the actress Carol Lindley is lip syncing it uh, in front of the camera. And uh, so I remember my brothers went to see this movie in the theater. I didn't, I I saw it much later, but I remember when they came home from the theater, they were trying to figure out, oh, who survived at the end? And they kept calling uh, Carol Lindley's character the morning after, and they kept going, oh, well, Rogo survived, morning after survived. (laughs) And uh, my wife, I always said that the morning after character. It's like they, if they had just left her behind, she was so whiny and couldn't do anything that everyone else would have survived, including poor Shelly Winters. Yeah, was there Ernest Borgnine in it? He was, yeah. yeah, and uh, the man from Chico and the Man, Jack Albertson. <laughs> and uh, do you remember the Mad Magazine takeoff? I don't think I have that one. What was it? What was it well, called? I forget what it was called, but I just remember one panel because, you know, the ship capsizes and the panel was this, this kid walks into the bathroom, which was in the, in the movie. And he's looking at the, the toilets are upside down and in the magazine, the kid goes, I'm feeling seasick. I think I'm going to throw down.
1: <laughs> Here we are going back to the forties, right?
0: way because this is from the 40s right yeah so this is boogie- woogie bugle boy this is uh bet midler's version of her album the divine Miss M so this one went to number one when it was originally done by the Andrews sisters in 1941. Uh, it's uh, written by Don Ray and Huey Prince, and it's a jump blues number about a trumpeter from Chicago who's drafted into the Army in World War II and shakes up revelry as the Boogie
1: Woogie Bugle Boy. Uh, did. Uh... Did Barry Manilow have anything to do with the arrangement of this song or was he out by then with
0: Beth? Um, Yeah, I'm gonna get to that. So this this is funny, this song was originally intended for Lou Costello to perform in the 1941 Abbott and Costello movie, Buck Privates, but it was reworked for the Andrews sisters who introduced it in the film. Um, and they released the single in the same year. Um, So this peaked at uh, number six for Bette Midler, and she started uh, as a nightclub performer, and she developed an act, you know, singing and doing comedy, and uh, she would, you know, imitate the Andrews sisters. And she was appearing increasingly at that time with Barry Manilow. Her version of this song was produced by Barry Manilow. So there you go. There you go. You know, Bette
1: Midler, she's... She's still with us, and and she's a. I I'd call her an entertainer. Yeah. You know? I'd call her an entertain like like we did Vanessa Williams and Sonny Bono and what's his name Sammy Davis Jr. And, yeah, and,
0: and and folks like folks like that. She can do everything, you know. Share. Yeah. So I. Yeah. Definitely. She was on a, I think a couple episodes of Seinfeld playing herself too, and you know. Uh, she was funny and 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 willing to make fun of herself, uh, which was cool. One thing I was going to mention about uh, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, uh, apparently, uh, in 1969, there was a Here's Lucy episode uh, entitled "Lucy and the Andrews Sisters," and uh, yeah, the song was performed on that. Uh, really, on that episode, yeah. What did it do,
1: What did Gail Gordon do?
0: <laughs> i don't know i always get the here's lucy and the lucy show mixed up well here's lucy was gail
1: gordon all right yeah and he was the the brother-in-law because lucy's husband i guess you know uh, was the brother and he was dead and 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 lucy arnaz and desi arnaz jr were the kids and then desi arnaz jr kind of grew up and said enough of this stuff but I, I i've seen some of that in the last few years it, I mean Lucy's great. I mean the worst yeah. thing she did was when she came back with the Lucy show, whatever it was, back in the eighties. And right. yeah,
0: so so anyway, on that episode, I mentioned Patty Andrews of the Andrews Sisters was the one that uh, did the song with with Lucy. So. Are are the Andrews sisters still with us, or is I it, don't I don't think so,
1: because Angela Dias on the on the local you know fifty thousand watt radio station used to talk about it with with uh, Ray. About the Andrews sisters, and they and and they always would do birthdays at uh, like five minutes to the hour after the the extended forecast, or the, no, it was the it, it was the weather from around the country, and then mm-hmm. they would do birthdays, and and Ray would always say, you know, so and so, And it's like, you're kidding me, that person's still alive. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I so it's funny. I I actually like that this that song though, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, and. The the inter sisters version is not much different. I'll put a link in the in the show notes. But I remember uh, my sister, you know, driving or whatever, and this on the radio, and my mother going, "Wait a minute, this song was a hit when I was a kid," you know. <laughs> and, and and it's like, and my sister was explaining, "Oh no, it's this you know, Bette Midler." And, and my mom's like, "Oh, but it sounds like there's three people singing." And it's like, "Well, no, that's just how they <laughs> they mixed it." So <laughs> All right.
1: When's the last time you took uh, the photograph with a film camera?
0: Oh, I can't remember. It's been, it's been a while. When I was cleaning out my house, I found some undeveloped film that I hold on to because it was like I wonder
1: what's on here <laughs> I, I had a disposable camera that came from my mother's house after she passed away and, and uh, I had it developed I shared it with my sisters and I called it uh, you know mom's last roll of film
0: um, and it was it,
1: it was it was interesting you know and uh, did you have did you have it developed
0: I, I, no I think I still got it somewhere yeah you get around to it but
1: yeah yeah
0: so this is uh Kodachrome by Paul Simon this one went to number two and Kodachrome is a registered trademark of the Kodak company it's a method of color transparency but more commonly known as a type of color film the company started making in 1935 So Paul Simon was working on a song with the title Coming Home when the word Kodachrome came to him and it sounds like that and he he had no idea what it meant but he knew it would make a much more interesting song than Coming Home so uh, it became an appreciation of all things color in the world and he mentions this there um, he uses a Nikon camera instead of Kodak because Nikon is a better word to yeah. use in a song.
1: You know, I have my father's cameras. You know, my wife has a 35 millimeter camera. And when we went to Washington DC back in 2015, I I bought some film and we took pictures and I, I don't know how to use my wife's camera. My you know, there's F stops and C oh, stops yeah. and you know all that. And and I, I I always had like, you know, uh 125 cameras or one whatever it was. Uh what were those point and shoot cameras that you had uh 110s, okay, yeah. Kodak 110 with a with you put the, the thing in
0: and
1: I never had a Polaroid, okay. We talked about last week.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but, so uh, Yeah. So what was interesting is we talked a little bit at the front end of the show is that uh, the Bad book had a memo that was written to all the stations that played AT-40 warning about some potential bad language in this song. And I'm assuming that that's, it's when he says crap. Which, I think too, yeah. Yeah. But backing up a little bit, the song "Money" by Pink Floyd has a much worse word in it, which I'm sure was not played on the radio.
1: <laughs> well, I think they probably blurted that out, or you know, kind of yeah. like uh, put a know, radio the joke, version. The joke. What's that Steve Miller song? You know, where where they change something to kicks instead of? Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Big old jet airliner. Yeah. Funky yeah. kicks in the city instead. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. And then Charlie Daniels' band with The uh, the Devil Went Down to Georgia. Yeah. You son of a gun.
1: Well, we can. Uh, was it Dash or was it who's the fellow just left us last month? I forget.
0: Oh, God, I had, it, I had it before we started. And I believe
1: it was Jim Seals. Jim Seals. Yeah, yeah not Dash Crofts. So yeah. once again, uh, you know. These guys are big. What were yeah. they on the on the top one hundred of of folks in the seventies? Do you have
0: that? Is I that on your? Because I didn't bring the book to the other studio here. <laughs> so you need I'll have to look that up. I'm again. Yeah. Yeah. So this one went to number six. This is Diamond Girl by Seals and Um And uh, so what's interesting is. They had a yeah, beefed up band for uh, this uh, album, which was also called Diamond Girl. And it featured a uh, future Toto founders, David Patch on, uh, oh, yep. on the organ and piano and Jeff Picaro on drums. Yep, Jeff Picaro,
1: who's from the town you grew up in?
0: And not only that, he's like three blocks away from where I grew up too. Really? From Mountain Road? uh mountain street yeah oh i'm sorry i believe they they grew up on rogers street and there was a guy uh his name was Vinny sinopoli when I went to grammar school with him he always claimed they were his cousins uh really when's the last time you saw Vinny? uh god since grammar school (laughs) you should look him up on the facebook are you are you on the facebook no i'm not on the facebook you know oh, maybe mine. your
1: sister's on the facebook i know yeah. she's on the facebook i'm not friends with her on the facebook but you know. yeah but uh anyway
0: yeah this is a good song I like, I like yeah no it, it is good
1: well this song was number 30 10 weeks ago all right and this is our friend billy preston who we've talked about a lot because he's freaking awesome. And uh, you got anything else on him?
0: Um, Just only that, uh, so this song, yeah, uh, it went to number one. Uh, Casey said Billy is from Houston, Texas. And this album features guitar and bass work from the Brothers Johnson, who we had oh. in the earlier episode. Um, they, they had the hit I'll Be Good to You and also Strawberry Letter 23. And one other thing, I was in uh, the grocery store Trader Joe's earlier this week and I heard Out of Space by Billy Preston. And I don't think I would have remembered the title or artist if it wasn't for our little podcast.
1: So if you go to Trader Joe's, you're so pretentious. But then again, I go to Stu Leonard, so pretentious too.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, remember our company, like, uh, they used Stu Leonard's as a, you know, a benchmark back in the day. And then Stu oh. Leonard's got in trouble. Well, yeah, like because, because Stu Leonard
1: Sr. was 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 adding <laughs> ounces to sliced yeah. meat. Yeah, weigh, weighing their thumb. <laughs> yeah. All right. So if you go to any guitar center uh, around the country, well, this... So so the LP version has a much, much longer intro. Uh, go to any Guitar Center and anyone will be able to play, you know, anyone trying out a Stratocaster, a Telecaster, a Gretsch or whatever will play this song. And there, there's, you know, Guitar Center puts up, please do not play Smoke on the Water,
0: right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, I I don't know, for people that don't know, should we give a little background on this? Sure. Um, So, this was, the song is, yeah, Smoke in the Water by Deep Purple. It was inspired from the fire in the casino at Montrose, Switzerland, December 4th, 1971. The band was gonna start recording their Machine Head album Uh, They're right after a a Frank Zappa concert, but someone fired a flare gun at the ceiling during Zappa's show and it caught the place on fire. And uh, Deep Purple was in the audience and the lead singer Ian Gillan recalls two flares being shot by someone sitting behind them and they landed in the corner of the building and quickly set it ablaze. Uh, Zappa stopped the show to help ensure an orderly exit and then Deep Purple watched the blaze from a nearby restaurant, and when the fire died down, a layer of smoke covered Lake Geneva, and so there you go—they saw smoke on the water.
1: Yeah, so uh, I was going to do some research on this, um, but I didn't. Our, our friends at the Deep Purple podcast have done—I think two episodes on covers of yes. Well, they did. They did. They did. A whole uh, 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 show about Machine Head, all right, yeah. and two episodes of, about covers of "The Smoke on the Water," and, and of course, one of them is done by Pat Boone. Um, <laughs> but this is this is a song I saw Deep Purple twice in the last two years, and we were together at one of them, or uh, twice in the last three years. And this just becomes a sing along. This is this is like that song "Money," you know, that gets buried into the ground. But you know what? I have so much more appreciation for this song just because of, of the last three years of the discovering Deep Purple.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I will put links in the show notes to all those uh, Deep Purple podcast episodes that Pete mentioned. Um, and also, Pete... Was a guest star on their podcast where they talk about Deep Purple and the Charts. And, uh, this song came up. Uh, Deep Purple did 21 concert dates uh, in uh, April and May of 1973. And someone named Rory Gallagher opened for all of them. <laughs> and he also did dates with Frank Zappa.
1: We talked about three dog night uh,
0: last episode. I believe. Last
1: episode, you know, if it's not one dog, it's two, it's three. To keep yourself warm, make sure the dingo doesn't eat your baby. Uh, yeah. But this is the three dog night. This is Shambalala. I don't know how to say it. What the heck is a Shambalala? You know?
0: yeah so casey talked about it shambhala um he said according to the songwriter daniel moore shambhala is uh, known to students of the mystic disciplines as it's the temple of the white lodge um white light symbolized knowledge and enlightenment um, this place supposedly used to be in peru but it moved to the himalayas excuse me himalayas and um can only be found by those who achieve a highest spiritual being. There's a a book by uh, someone named Alice Bailey's, uh, uh, treatise on White Magic, you can read all about it. Um, You know where I uh, think
1: it moved to, Mark? I think it uh, moved to the Catskill. So let's go to the Catskill game farm and look for it,
0: okay? (laughs) I think it moved to
1: Mountain Street.
0: uh, (laughs) Right next door. Uh, so this song was uh, used in a commercial television for uh, for Sitco Petroleum, but I couldn't find it when I went to look for it. <laughs> really? No, no sponsor right. this week.
1: No sponsor this week. I, I buy Sitco gasoline once in a while. And uh, those of you that are fans of the Red Sox, you know, it's out in the field, but they don't pay for that advertising. It's free advertising.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah but you know i can't remember you know the last time i went to a red sox game was in the early 90s and i ever since the red sox won the world series in 2003 or four or whatever it was i didn't care less i'm done <laughs> yeah
0: uh, i remember
1: fan? my huh are you a baseball fan
0: no, not not much. You know, my my parents were always Red Sox fans, and it's it's kind of an interesting thing. The Red Sox won the World Series in two thousand four, right after my mother passed away, and then they they won it again in uh,
1: two thousand seven.
0: Seven, yep. and then uh, one more time was it two thousand ten? But that was right 10, after. Something like I, that. It was right after my father passed away, so it's yeah. kind of interesting. But uh, my sister uh, and her husband used to have a place up in Brookline and you could see the sit go sign from there.
1: I can't believe that song got all the way up to number three, is is I think is that the peak? You no. Know, three Dog Night was huge. Yeah. But not as big as this this act. This act was huge. When I was
0: young, I listened to the mm.
1: radio. Well, this is the Carpenter's yesterday once more. We all recognize the contralto or whatever it is for Miss um, Carpenter. <laughs> and, um, you know, this song, God bless them. I don't know if it got to number one. Here it is. Uh, you know, it peaked on this list at number two. Um,
0: I don't know. To me. Yeah. Yeah. So this song. Um basically where was it number two no i was just uh looking through my notes here so (laughs) carrie carpenter played drums on this song which was uh not not the usual thing there was a session guy called hal blaine that usually oh hal
1: blaine he did everything
0: Yeah. yeah um but uh, the, the oldies were enjoying a resurgence in popularity during the early 70s and, and Karen thought that was great. And so uh, Richard said, oh, I should write a song about that then. Uh, so
1: I- Kind of like us with this podcast from stuff from 49 yeah. years ago.
0: So I, I, I recently watched an episode of this British uh, series Endeavor that they, they play on uh, PBS and- um, it's supposed to now be taking place in the in, in 1971, and uh, two of the characters, they're at some event and they win tickets to see the Carpenters at the Royal Albert Hall in London. And I looked it up and it's like, yeah, they did play there September 24th, 1971.
1: Number one. Woo! July 28th, 1973. Don't spit in the wind. Is that a different guy?
0: All
1: right. Bad Bad Leroy Brown by Jim Croce.
0: Yeah. So this was off his uh, Life and Times album in 1973. So the story of this is kind of based on some embellished truth. Uh, Jim Croce's wife, uh, Ingrid, said uh, Leroy Brown is a guy that uh, Jim Croce actually met when he was in the service, he was in the National Guard, and this guy had gone AWOL, and it was a guy that uh, Jim kind of related to, and he liked to sing with him, and uh, he came back to get his paycheck after going AWOL, and they caught him. So, Jim just thought it was such that he was such a funny guy that he thought he'd uh, include his name in the song and it worked. Um, So, yeah, unfortunately, Jim Croce, I think, as we mentioned before, he died in a a plane crash on September 30th of uh, 1973. So, he's just 30 years old. Really talented guy. You wonder what he could have done.
1: Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. So, uh, so that's it. Oh my gosh. My trip across country. I'm sure we heard some of these songs. All right. So the interesting thing is that the, at the dunes on, uh, in Indiana, I can remember because I spoke about this with the sister that's closest in age to me is, is we really rarely went to the beach. So, I don't even think I'd been to like the Connecticut shore or Rhode Island or Cape Cod and, oh, and wow. the dunes in, in, on Lake Michigan were something else. And we kept on picking up pop top cans, you know, remember the beer cans, how, you know, you'd pull it off and you'd throw it away.
0: Yeah. All right? And I
1: can remember my, picking those up and I had my fingers like covered with like rings, you know, you're a little <laughs> kid. All right. And, and I don't know if we picked up cigarette butts too, but uh
0: <laughs> Did you make a chain out of those? I remember making I, a chain out of those uh pop tops. Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: here we are. That's 49 years ago. And and I think they uh
0: well, the- well actually that was our sponsor, right? From uh was that last episode? Give me that thing. That was about uh Coke getting the pop-top cans.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, all right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. so there's an interesting little segue <laughs> well, there,
1: there you go but um so anyhow so this this week you know the number one lp was uh was vi or or six chicago
0: right yeah
1: the number one soul song we heard uh, which was johnny taylor i believe in you all right and the number one country song was uh i don't know if i wrote this down you were also there by donna Fargo or something I don't know if I wrote that down right.
0: All right. So this is the point where we do our reviews and stuff. And
1: Ooh, 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 Mr. Kata, Mr. (laughs) Kata.
0: Our number one label this
1: week was Warner Brothers. Ah, oh, okay. I cut you off. Sorry. All right. I'm sorry, Mr. Kata. Yeah. I'm gonna have to race race you and
0: Robert Conrad, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the first thing we usually do is to pick the song that we think will torture the other guy. Your agonizer, please. No, Mr. Spock! Number 14, Playground in My Mind. Yeah, I, I'm, it's funny. In episode one, w- did we even do an agonizer? Um, I don't remember. Yeah, y- you know, it's funny. I had written that down, and then I thought, yeah, I'm going to go a different route. And even though it's a very popular song, I, I thought number thirty-six, "Let's Get It On," <laughs> might kind of torture you. Really? Yeah, okay. it's a good song, but it's uh, yeah, a little cringy. All right, all right. Mark, what's what's your uh, best
1: song of the of the countdown?
0: Yeah, a little bit close, but I had to go with number twenty-six, "Long Train Running." Okay, all yeah. right, "Roll Back Water." Yeah, I had a couple runners up. Um, but I'll let you go first. Well,
1: my best song of the countdown was number seven, Kodachrome. I love that song. I think it's yeah. great. I think it's put together so well. And, uh, you know, it makes yeah. me want to, you know, get out my father's cameras and figure out what, how an F stop works.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had that as as the runner up. And the other one was Smoke on the Water. Okay. Awesome. So. All right. Worst song of the countdown. Ding, 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 Pete. I said uh, number fourteen. Playground in my mind. All right. (laughs) Wow, you're you're really good at picking the agonizer, yeah, for me. I I, we
1: know each other very well. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But you know, you didn't get my worst song of the countdown. Stop. You went on to guilty pleasure. My worst song is number fifteen. Natural high. Ah, there you go. So the lady I'm related to by marriage says that when we do these, we should put the song in too. This song sucks. Yeah, yeah
0: we we could do that. Although, you know, I think like Let's Get It On and Long Train Running and Kodachrome, people know those.
1: Yeah, yeah. This song, blah. what
0: was yes. your next, what was the next one? It's Guilty Pleasure. Oh! So, you want to go first? You want me to go first? I'm already going. <laughs> Ah, really? Okay, yeah. Yeah, this is, it's it's cool. It's got some funk to it. So, this is, um, Sol Makosa.
1: I, I didn't hear Casey say it. Makasa, Makosa. You say Makosa, I say Makasa. Let's call yeah. the whole thing off. Yeah. What's your, right. uh, what's your guilty pleasure? So,
0: so I had, um, Actually, I actually had number eight, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy, uh, and, and I think I like both versions, the Andrews Sisters and uh, the Midler's. And and I had as a as a runner up number twelve, Monster Mash. Uh, really?
1: Yeah. This is a good song. Yeah, I mean, I I love the story about your mother and your and your and your sister. Sister.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for 1941, this one rocks alright alright what's the next on the list so next would be our story song of the week just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship
1: i tell you what, I'll go first with my story song of the week Okay. okay. There were. I will
0: say before you go, there are a few contenders this week for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So smoke in the water. Agree, although. So I had number twenty-three uneasy Rider. I knew you a, would. Yeah, tell a hell of a story. And... <laughs> And Maybe it's because I I took it and made my own story. I, yeah, but there was another one that was a story
1: song of the week also, which was uh oh where the heck is it? Uh,
0: I I forget. I I thought. I oh, heard I, it. wow! Well, I thought the number one song this week was a story song as well.
1: Yeah, but did he spit in the wind, or is that the other guy? <laughs> who who did the spit in the wind? Was that Jim? Yeah, I think that's
0: uh, yeah that's um don't mess around with Jim.
1: Yeah yeah, 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 So no, I, I I have this kind of written down also, and uh, I just remember you coming up with uh, with you know the lunatic asylum that we work at or used to work at, you know, and and how it operated.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember. I think one of the lines in the song was, you know, in in the uneasy writer, he says. Doesn't stop till he was almost to Arkansas or something. <clears> and, yeah. and I said I didn't stop until I was almost at the gold building. <laughs> yeah. All right. What are your diversion
1: songs, my friend?
0: Yeah, I struggled with this a little bit. Um I said it's kind of weird, number 27 behind closed doors, and number one, bad, bad Leroy Brown. And that's because behind closed doors is kind of talking about you know messing around out of, out of sight out of mind and then in bad Bad Leroy Brown the guys uh, messing right out in the open with the wife of a jealous man well what I had
1: was and and I don't know how I came up with this but uh, I had I had Aretha I got a call the other day. you know okay. an angel all right and and i said to myself i said to myself self all right what's what's totally different than than that and you know what it's what's different
0: <laughs> you know it, i was it's about totally to different. predict that because was I, I thought it was like yeah what's the <laughs> what's completely different i agree yeah
1: and those are yeah. different yeah. And I
0: tell you, this this
1: is one of the hardest things to come up with. All right. It, it is. It really is. Okay. It is. And and yeah. and you invented it. All right. Yeah. So you got the uh star award.
0: Okay? Yeah. It's a it, it it gives you a little thought though to you know go through all the countdown and, and think about that. So what would you rate this countdown? All right. you want That's... me to go first. Uh, you go first. Yeah. So I I gave it uh, just a B. I thought it was mediocre to average. There's some good stuff and there's not too much sap, to but it's not there's not a lot of good good stuff. So that that's that's basically what, how I came up with it. B. Well, you know what
1: Mark, I came up with a B also. Okay. All right. And a lot of the same that you're saying. Okay
0: all righty so we should probably wrap this up do you have anything else to add or
1: no Uh, so we'll uh we'll jam on and and what would casey say my friend
0: yeah so as uh, casey would say until next time uh, keep your friends close and your enemies close all right bud all right good night